0: Welcome ladies to the Women's Health Happy Hour podcast. My name is Dr. Dawn Andalone. I am a women's health physical therapist, author, educator, and co-owner of Level 4 PT and Wellness. And this podcast is informative, but lighthearted, and we discuss all things women's health in order for you to lead an active and vibrant lifestyle. So cheers, and let's get started. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Women's Health Happy Hour podcast. I have a really exciting guest today, Dr. Meg Strodel. She is a naturopathic doctor here in Encinitas, California. And we chat a lot about women over 40, what you need to do to optimize your health, whether that has to do with exercise, your diet, hormones. We talk all about it, and you're going to learn something new on this one. So thanks for listening and enjoy. She has given me personal advice as well and come and talked in our facility here in Encinitas, our wellness center, and been able to share a lot of her knowledge with others. And the things that we see in our wellness center here, a lot of times the women will ask these similar questions. So I love to collaborate with her and we um, both have very kind of similar clientele. So it's really fun to share this information. So Dr. Meg is on with us and I'm gonna have her introduce herself and we'll start from there.
1: Awesome, so thanks for having me on, Dawn. I always enjoy a talk with you, uh, for sure. We always have the best time. Um, But yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a naturopathic doctor and we can describe what that is for people that don't know what that is. Um, yeah,
0: let's, we can dive into that. How about um, you just give a little bit of a background of where your office is sure. located, where, what kind of clients do you see?
1: So I'm also in Encinitas, California, like Dr. Dawn. Um, I see men, women, children um, of all different ages, though I mostly focus on women in my practice, um, usually. Uh, adolescent age to 65-ish. Um, but I would say the majority of my patients are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. So um, I get the nice um, juicy middle, that's what I like to call it, because there's so much to talk about in every single decade of life stage for women. Um, but I'm, I'm really passionate about women's health, um, I do a lot of work with hormones, I do a lot of work with GI complaints with people, um, anxiety, depression, nutrient deficiencies, um, PCOS, endometriosis, period problems, um, all those types of things, uh, I, I, I usually do it. So um, we have a lot of fun and I have a lot of different tools that I will use because I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, which we can talk about.
0: Very cool. So the theme of this podcast is we're happy hour. So because not everybody's getting together in person, we're not doing these in our um, place here in Encinitas, but um, we're just going to do a cheers together. So Dr. Meg, let's cheers. Cheers. (laughs) And she's got water and I have a glass of, you know, so... Think of this like a lighthearted conversation, but we're gonna ask you some expert questions because you are the expert in this all things women's health. Awesome. Um, so how did you even get started to be a naturopathic doctor? What led you down that road to go into your schooling?
1: Yeah, great question. Um uh, it's it's a long story, so I'll keep it brief. Um I I essentially had some health problems around the time I was 12, 13. Um, I had some skin issues. Um, I had a rash on my scalp that nobody could figure out. Um, I was overweight at the time. I was just not really even eating a healthy diet. And, um, my mom was thinking forward to college and was saying, you know, like, I can't, I can't send you to college like this. Um, and so she found a naturopath in our hometown. I grew up in New Hampshire, rural New Hampshire. Uh, and he was a really smart naturopath and, Um, He helped me a lot and I went to other naturopaths over time and every time I would sit down with one of them, I would just say, wow, like, literally, how do you think like that? Where did you get that knowledge? That is so much deeper than traditional biology. You know, it's it's physiology tied with anatomy, tied with deep biochemistry, tied with all the naturopathic things that you learn um, when you're in naturopathic medical school. And I just thought their knowledge was like literally the coolest thing ever. And I was super into science at the time, um, as a young kind of preteen teenage girl, uh, and. Um, always admired it, but never thought it was gonna be a path for my myself. Um, I was always really passionate about nutrition and cooking and food and exercise. Um, so what I ended up doing was going to college for human biology. And then um, when I was graduating, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do every day for the rest of my life? And um, I had a mentor who gave me a lot of good advice about um, you know, just whether to go to medical school or not. And I just kind of bit the bullet then. And my last year of college, I did all my apps and then became a doctor, uh, four years later. So. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And so because you
0: treat a lot of women and what do you find, um, are some of the biggest concerns right now, just because we're going through a crazy time in 2020, but what are, what are some of the biggest things that you've heard women come in and tell you over the last few months?
1: Oh, man. Um, I mean, people are so um, Very, very stressed. Uh, fatigue is a big thing. Um, nutrient deficiencies, a lot of anxiety, depression, um, hormonal imbalances, just because I always see that. Um, and even though it's 2020, I've, I've had a variety of people kind of floating in and out. Um, some, you know, regular people, some people that just needed to start their journey. Um, so it's, it's been a mix. And
0: why might someone come to see you versus a traditional MD or why might somebody go see an MD and then also come to see you?
1: Great question. So (laughs) I love talking about this because I feel like this is where naturopathic medicine really shines. Um, you know, naturopathic medicine is all about finding the cause and helping your body heal itself, which, uh, when you're in the conventional world can sound kind of weird, but, you know, we're created with a lot of healing mechanisms, like how you stub your toe. Like I actually did 10 minutes ago, fun fact, (laughs) uh, you know, and your, your body will, uh, totally heal up that, that wound your body does this on so many different levels. So Um, I essentially help facilitate that type of healing with people. Um, And we work on, you know, a lot of basics that are really life changing. Um, But I would say, you know, the main reason I think why people pick me is because I'm very much like, okay, let's do the test, let's do this diet, let's do this, let's do that. And so I'm a little bit more like gung-ho about different things versus like, oh, we could try this. I'm really intentional about making, um, you know, a plan that's clear and a plan that says, okay, we're going to start here. And then if that doesn't work, we're going to go here and you're going you're gonna to go see this specialist, you're going to go see this other doctor, you're going to do this lifestyle change. This is when I expect you to heal. Um this is how long I expect this process to be. These are the layers we have to work through. So I am really into uh, laying that out for people, which I think is really helpful, especially when you have so many different options in front of you for practitioners to work with, um, different treatments. Um, but I also listen. I really enjoy listening to my patients. And so I think that's, that's why they keep coming back is because they're like, wow, you actually helped me out with that and heard, you know, what I was really trying to say to you. Um, And so uh, that's probably my favorite thing is really just getting um, a really good chunk of time to sit down with my patients and be like, okay, like, why is this an issue? Why is this a barrier for you?
0: Well, that's the thing too. When you have the time and you're fully listening, you're going to get to the root of their problem. You're not just going to give a quick fix, like, oh, take this medication or you need this procedure, Mm -hmm. but you really do have the time and you can, there's a huge scope of things. And I've noticed myself too, like seeing the difference when you guys have also nutrition as a big part of your medical schooling too, um, (laughs) which is not part of the traditional MD route. So, I it really is the whole person and you're trying when we see our clients here they may be in pain or suffering from an injury or they can't do something active but Mm -hmm. we're always asking those questions to find out like what's their diet like what's their sleep like Mm -hmm. what's their stress level like Mm
1: -hmm, and so
0: that's what I found um you know on the aspect of a naturopathic doctor it's like they're really looking at the big picture
1: Yes, exactly. For everything. And, you know, if something isn't my forte, um, like I don't do a lot of physical medicine, then that is when I refer out to someone like you, you know, someone that has a chronic back issue, someone that needs to get adjusted, someone that needs acupuncture. um, That's when I, you know, bring in other people. So a lot of my patients do see MDs as well. And, you know, a perfect example is people that have GI issues, often we'll send them for a GI workup um, and then once you know that physically they're all okay inside, then I can do the rest of the, the naturopathic magic.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: because you see women of that thirties, forties, fifties range, um, describe perimenopause, what that means and what that kind of age range is, and yeah. some of the complaints that women start experiencing. Mm-hmm.
1: I love talking about this because I feel like there is just, such a lack of education um, uh, just about this subject in general. Um, You know, I I feel like we, as women, go through lots of different changes with our bodies. And then women hit perimenopause, and they're like, is this even a thing? Like, am I in perimenopause? Or am I just feeling really hormonal? Are my hormones going up and down? Like, what is actually going to happen to me? You know, what is the difference between perimenopause and menopause? so I see a lot of women that walk in perimenopause into my office with things like hot flashes, things like irregular cycles, whether they're skipping cycles or they're becoming more frequent or they're becoming um, lighter or more heavy. Um, I'm seeing people that come in with weight gain. Um, but just this like emotional sense of, of like what is happening to my body is really, really common in this stage.
0: What What age range would you say that usually occurs?
1: Yeah, so it really depends on the genetics um, of all the women in your family. So I always say, you know, ask your mom, your grandma, your aunts, um, any older sisters when they went through menopause because perimenopause can start anywhere from, depends who you talk to, I see perimenopause stuff starting to happen anywhere between like eight to ten years before menopause happens. And menopause is when you've had no period, no bleeding for 12 months. So uh, I think we think of menopause as being the thing that you're going through, but usually people are going through perimenopause. And then menopause is just when the periods go away.
0: I didn't know that. hmm Cool, okay. So even you know late 30s, early 40s, that tends to be sometimes when women start getting any of these symptoms too.
1: Yeah, I would say early to mid-40s. Like once, uh, most commonly, um, I see women start to feel symptoms probably around maybe 45, um, 46, 47, 48 for sure. Sometimes women get symptomatic, you know, 41, 42. Um, But usually we start to have some symptoms a couple of years before we stop cycling. So there's a there is a broad range but most women in my practice are are around 45 to 50 when they when it really starts to hit them
0: yeah and I remember us talking about this when you came in person did an event with us but we were talking about as you get into your late 30s early 40s and then into your 50s when you are kind of going through that perimenopause to menopausal stage what how should your exercise routine be Kind of shift because I feel like a lot of women are doing the same thing as what they used to do in their twenties, thinking mm-hmm. that it might work the same. Mm-hmm. And your body's different; it's going to respond different. Your eating habits need to change. But what about exercise? What do you What do you tell people?
1: Yeah, so I really try to get women off of cardio as number one um, because I think when when you're young and really active in your twenties, you're thinking like oh, cardio burns calories. Um, It helps my muscles be toned. I get to be active and outdoors, which is great. Um, But cardio for older women tends to be more catabolic. So it's, it's breaking more things down. It's using up more energy. And um, a lot of women um, towards, you know, their forties, fifties, even late thirties, they're really not getting in enough protein. So you end up doing a lot of if you're doing a lot of cardio, you're getting more muscle wasting, which that has detrimental metabolic effects long term. So I'm always trying to get women to have a different relationship with cardio um, in terms of, you know, maybe they're doing a couple of hit sessions a week, plus some long walks um, and with heavy weight lifting in between there, they're not running seven days a week or six days a week anymore. They're not doing a a hit training, um, you know, every day, um, which I don't recommend that for any age, but, um, that's some common pitfalls I see is, uh, only cardio or just a ton of hit training. So lifting. Whatever you do to
0: keep that muscle building Mm -hmm. up and continue to keep that in your body because that's so important too for bone health for so many reasons and Mm -hmm. and your metabolism shifting Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um so when you talk about protein then besides doing because i know in my diet i always do a protein shake in the morning Mm -hmm. but say somebody is vegetarian or they don't they don't eat a lot of meat what are some of the good sources or things that you recommend to your clients Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so if people aren't big into meat, then I really encourage fish of pretty much all forms. Um, Canned fish actually isn't that bad. Um, You know, like tuna, canned salmon, those can be really great ways to get protein in really quickly. Um, But all types of fish um, and Often we will also work in like a, a vegan plant-based protein powder as well. Um, that's a combo of things like rice and hemp. Um and um the other one I'm blanking on right now uh that I have
0: over there in my I know one of my protein powders has pea protein or I do Angel,
1: thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 most common one is, um, like a, a, rice pea blend, um, hemp, they use cranberry in there sometimes, um, uh, soy protein powders are really big, but I don't recommend them, um, for multiple different reasons. So usually I try to get people on a blend of rice and pea, or if they, uh, really tolerate pea protein really well, then do the pea protein because pea, um, the amino acid, uh, the amino acid profile is actually really good for pea protein. So I like pea protein, but some people it can make them a little bit gassy. So um, sometimes we need to do a blend. Um, I will also recommend collagen as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, collagen, it's, it's interesting. Collagen is a certain type of amino acids um, and it's not a complete protein and it's not the same type of protein that a rice or pea protein is. So people that are using collagen just collagen um they're really missing out on some of those other amino acids and protein structures so i always recommend that you do a collagen with like a rice pea blend vegan blend
0: mm-hmm. um, good to know because i've just been mm-hmm. doing the collagen protein yeah, yeah. I like the one i have but mm-hmm. yeah that's good to know or if you add mm-hmm. almond butter or the yes. sort of protein to your smoothie along with the collagen mm-hmm. protein
1: Yeah. And whey protein can be pretty good too, especially if you're working on gaining muscle. Um, But a lot of my patients don't do well with dairy. So it's always one that I forget about. But if you do well on dairy, you tolerate it, you digest it well, it doesn't make your skin break out or make you more hormonal um, then getting a really good grass fed whey protein is probably the best out of all of them. So, um, but you have to make sure you get it from a good source.
0: Yeah, so when our clients are asking us about nutrition, You know, that's Mm -hmm. part of our wheelhouse. It's not that we study a lot of it, but I do my own research because I just love that topic. And I'm always interested in knowing what are the best things to be adding to your diet besides protein, besides the collagen, Mm -hmm. to be able to promote healing. So say you're dealing with an injury or Mm -hmm. like we see a lot of postpartum women too, what are some of the things you want to tell them Mm -hmm. you've got to have this in your diet or it's, you know, it's something to prioritize.
1: Yeah, so I mean, postpartum women specifically, I'm thinking about vitamin C because vitamin C helps support collagen. Um, And you know, often a lot of postpartum women have a lot of stretching because the belly is rebounding. Um, you know, variety of things happen to the vagina and the perineum that has to heal. Whether you've torn or needed to be um, cut a little bit for the baby to pass through. So vitamin C, uh, just straight up collagen, like we were saying. Um, but getting on a really good multivitamin is actually a really good place to start for a lot of people, just because it will cover all of your bases and. Um, you know, when, you know, postpartum women, you've been one yourself, it's like that time is mega just all over the place because you have a new baby, you know, you have your partner, um, you have your changed body. You have just the fact that you went through one of the most physiologically stressful, but normal, Phenomena to ever happen to the female body, um, plus any other kiddos that you have at home and other responsibilities that you have. Um, so making sure that you just get in the basics. So continue taking the prenatal, um, get on a multivitamin if you're not, um, but nutrition in terms of food, that's a big thing too. So making sure that you're, you know, getting vegetables, you're getting good amounts of protein, um, you're eating, eating, um, foods that are, you know, a variety of, of fibers and stuff. So that supports your microbiome, which has to kind of rebound a little bit after postpartum as well.
0: Yeah. What are some good sources of iron? What do you recommend for
1: that? Honestly, the best one is meat. Yeah. So if people eat meat, I recommend definitely go for some grass-fed meat. Um, you can do uh, liver. So have I ever told you about my... I've
0: never tried liver. <laughs> oh, gosh.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a tip. So... I don't
0: know if I want to.
1: Uh, liver has like a super bad rap, right? But I feel like it was a super normal thing uh, in, you know, our grandma and grandpas and great-grandma and great grandpa um, you know, they would cook it in their house. But liver's awesome because um, when you take a liver out of an animal... And, and eat it, it. You have all the nutrients that the animal was exposed to, um, like iron, like B vitamins, like vitamin A. So a lot of people think of the liver as being just a uh, a filter for toxins, but the liver actually holds in a lot of nutrients for us. And um, if we didn't have livers, we wouldn't have an iron storage that we could use to make our, our blood. Actually, so liver is super high in iron, but it's got an interesting texture, um, it can be hard to cook, and it can be not very palatable depending on how adventurous you are. So uh, this is what I recommend people do. Get a beef liver. Um, you can also do chicken livers. Those taste a little bit more mild. Um, you, you get a, a filet of liver, and you, um, you defrost it or you buy it fresh and you, you chop it up into little bite-sized pieces. And you put it on a, a, a cookie sheet that's lined with parchment paper, and you, you space them out. Um, and these are, these are what I call liver pills. So- Oh my gosh, it, I
0: didn't know if we would about baking. No, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so you don't bake them, but you put them on the cookie sheet and you put them into the freezer.
0: Oh, into the freezer.
1: And, you, and you them freeze. Um, if it was something that you bought fresh, then you freeze it for fourteen days. Okay, if it was previously frozen for a long time. Um, then you just have to wait till it's frozen again. But when they're frozen, take them off of the sheet and put them in a baggie or a Tupperware or a jar in the fridge or in the um, in the in the freezer. And um, you can take them out every morning and swallow them. Really. Your- Yeah. And that way you're not tasting it. You're not preparing it. You're not cooking it. It's zero thoughts and you're getting vitamin A, you're getting B vitamins. You're getting a really high quality iron. It's 100% cheaper. I mean, I haven't done the math, but it's so much more cheaper than buying a lot of the like desiccated liver products, um, and powders that are out there for, for liver. Um, and it's frozen and you're swallowing it. So you don't taste it at all.
0: That's actually a really good hint because when you think about preparing it or cooking it, and that's what grosses me out. Mm-hmm. So, you a way to get that jam packed nutrients mm-hmm. in just one little yeah. frozen liver, liver tablet. Exactly. <laughs> do exactly. I don't even know if I've seen it in the store how to buy liver, but
1: I'm going to check that yeah. out. They have, they have liver powdered in capsules, that's really popular right now. Um, but you can do this in a, a fillet of liver costs you not even five bucks I mean it's it's cheap yeah it's a yeah. so
0: great like natural way to get your nutrients to rather than yeah. your vitamin yeah huh.
1: and learning then, something new every day <laughs> yeah I know there's and you know there's iron in vegetables because everybody always asks me like you know there's iron in beans and legumes and um things like spinach but it's what we call a non-heme iron mm-hmm. um, versus a heme iron is what's in animal products. And so you can't digest the non-heme iron as well as you use the heme iron. It's, it's essentially just uh, bioavailability. So mm-hmm. heme iron is way more bioavailable than the non-heme. So if you're someone that is deficient in iron um, or is anemic, um, then it's way better just to do the animal sources um, or just to a supplement. So the women that you see, what do you find
0: in that 40s, 50s range, 30s, 40s, 50s, as being some of the primary nutrient deficits? Like I know for myself, I was super shocked that I'm really low in vitamin D and I live in Southern California. It's like, wow, it doesn't make sense. I'm in the sun. But what what do you see in a lot of your clients that's kind of a common theme?
1: So I love that you brought up vitamin D because um, I uh, I forgot about that when I was, um, when I looked at your questions, um, I had other things on the list. Um, but vitamin D, I just see across the board. I mean, it's not necessarily more prevalent in like the 30 to 50 range. It's just, um, you know, I'd love to delve into the science a little bit more personally with, with vitamin D, because I think there's some genetic reasons why we're all so low in it. Um, but, also living in Southern California, we don't get outside as much sometimes um, because it's hot. And you know, if you wear any sort of sunscreen, it blocks fully the, the sun's rays to make uh, the vitamin D. Oh, um, yeah. So any sort of sunscreen, even if you put something on your face, you're not going to make any, um, or even when you're driving in the car, the glass blocks the vitamin D. Um, but yeah, vitamin D is a big one for any population. Um, the one that I really wanted to harp on was protein. I see mm-hmm. it's, it's not a vitamin per se, but that's one of the things that I see the most efficient in, in, in that age group. Um, I would say the other things would be um, both uh, like trace minerals and also um, electrolytes or like the macro minerals. So things like um, sodium, potassium, chloride, calcium, magnesium, um, to things like, uh, selenium, iron, copper, zinc, manganese. Um, those are all, um, all equally important, but I will often do electrolyte powders for this age group, especially. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to ask you. Cause I've yeah. seen it in the store and I, mm-hmm. I always wonder like what, if you recommend just taking that after a workout or if that's something people should be having all every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends on your picture. Most, um, depends how healthy you've been eating, um, and how long you've been eating healthy. Um, and you can also kind of feel when you're low in electrolytes too. It's like wh- like when you, when you do a workout or when you're outside and you're sweating, you can almost feel this like internal, like sense of depletion, if you will. Um, and if there's any sort of sweating going on, and especially Southern California, I always recommend people have electrolytes, um, but depending on the person, you don't need to take them every day. The people that I have taking them every day are the people that are doing um, you know, higher intensity workouts, or they're on a training program, or they're always training outside and it's hot. Um, or there's any history of adrenal dysfunction in these people, I always have them on electrolytes, whether they're working out or not, because it's very restorative to the adrenal glands. Mm -hmm. So um, the the short answer is pretty much anybody should be taking (laughs) electrolytes, but it really matters what kind. I have specific products I recommend to um, the people that I work with, because some of the products that are just over the counter in the store are you know really good in this one um electrolyte and then the balance for the others isn't as great or they're actually really high in sugar
0: yeah like, that's what i've noticed too yeah. like you just buy them over the counter and you're like what's actually in this
1: yeah and sugar we need in the formula because uh, it, it helps the, the minerals to get into the cell. So there will always need to be some sort of, you know, glucose or natural sugar or maltodextrin or something in there. So we can't, you know, if someone sells you an electrolyte powder that doesn't have sugar in it, they don't really understand the, the flow of ions. Um, but there are lower sugar ones that are much better for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well on on that note and we had talked about this before too and you got so many questions about it and I know we could do a whole podcast on this but talk to me about when when people are saying the fad things like keto diet or paleo and they want to go on a specific plan how do you advise your clients and and really if it's right for them like the fasting I've even heard for women sometimes fasting is not the best way
1: yeah so the, the, the key for this determining what, what diet is going to be right for someone is um, a whole host of things. So I'll, I will always run labs on them to see if they have any major deficiencies or if they have a thyroid problem or uh, if they have adrenal dysfunction, um, things that would... Uh, kind of disqualify you from some of those diets? Um, You know, what is their baseline level of health? Because I never wanna restrict things for people when they really need those calories, they really need those food groups. Um, but, uh, so I look at labs. I also consider what their diet history has been. So have they done any like dietary experimentation, um, and figured out what tends to work for them? Um, you know, have they been restricting their whole life? Are they in tune with their body signals? Um, excuse me, are they, um, like a chronic dieter? Have they yo-yoed a lot? Um, because all of that will answer like okay, this person is most likely really low in nutrients. So we want to have more of a broad um, diet for them. Um, And um, then their their medical history plays a role too. So, you know, do they have a history of type two diabetes? Are they overweight? Um, Are they a trained type of person? Are they, are they untrained? Uh, And so that all those three things kind of um, help me decide because, Mm -hmm. you know, say you are, let's, let's do an example. Say you are um a you know 20 pound overweight gal that has um hypothyroidism and um you're you're largely untrained um you know a a diet like keto would not be great for them because their thyroid doesn't work that great so you know the first steps for them would be Um, not having a restricted diet, but, you know, maybe getting their thyroid back on track with thyroid supplements or maybe thyroid medication or, you know, a a, a diet changed specifically for the thyroid. Um, And uh, some people um, have been, you know, low carb for a really long time or uh, they are intermittent fasting every single day and they have for 10 years, um, which, both of those things, low carb and intermittent fasting for a really long time, um, for women, especially in this age group of 30 to 50, is usually totally detrimental and swinging you the wrong way. Um, and there are some caveats to that um, some people that are um, really overweight or they have a lot of pounds to lose um, and there's some there's some blood sugar dysregulation you know something like a keto um, or intermittent fasting can be really helpful for their blood sugar um, but it, those types of diets keto and, and intermittent fasting can be actually more stressful on the physiology Um, because your body has hunger cues for a reason. And there's a reason why we tend to eat, you know, about every four hours, you know, let's, let's just call it 8am, 12pm, 4pm snack, 7pm dinner, 6pm dinner, something like that. You know, there's a reason why we've had that eating schedule, um, because it helps keep our blood sugar regulated, which helps with our hormones, which helps with our metabolism. Um, So, the answer is it depends
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally and that those are all broad questions where people will ask or they'll say i'm on something and it's just i've been doing this for 60 days and it's not working for me but best to come to someone like you where they can get a full blood panel and understand what's going on with their body what are they actually deficient in what type of eating habits are going to benefit them and yeah
1: totally i actually i have a perfect example if you guys want to here an example. Yeah. Um, So I I had a 50 plus uh, triathlete um, who I started working with and she had some uh, cholesterol abnormalities. So her doctors were telling her, you know, go plant-based, go plant-based. But that ended up meaning that she was restricting protein um, because she just wasn't getting enough protein in a plant-based diet being a triathlete. Um, And having been someone that had been athletic her whole life. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a new thing. So she was a trained person going on a plant-based diet. And that was one of the first things that I said to her It was, you know, you need the fuel that's going to come from, uh, you know, animal protein. And, and we talked about that, how to incorporate that. And we did a couple of other things. And, you know, I, I followed up with her. I don't even think it was a full two months later. And she was like, I've never felt better you know, I'm still doing a lot of plant-based things because plant-based can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So, you know, when I say plant-based, I mean having a diet that is a lot of plants, not necessarily a vegan diet that, or a vegetarian diet that can have a lot of processed foods, but lots of plants, lots of vegetables, beans, legumes, nuts, veggies. Um, And we added in some of those, those proteins in there and that helped level up her training. She had better blood sugar control. She wasn't. Um, she's a teacher, and she wasn't, you know, crashing at the at the end of the day. Um, and she was just so surprised that she had energy the whole day, the whole day. She was like, "I feel good. I can't believe it. I feel like I'm 20." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> that
0: just goes to show: food is medicine. If you're eating right for your body, then it's just going to make you sleep better, feel better. Your mood's going to be better. You're going to think better. Perform mm-hmm. better, mm-hmm. yeah I love that well, mm-hmm. um so I asked this to everyone too. Tell me some of the like top two or three things you do for your own lifestyle in order to keep your health on track and some of the the mm-hmm. long term things that you do for your own body that I know you educate your clients in the yeah. style, but how do you take care of yourself?
1: <sighs> so part of this is hard to answer because a lot of these habits I've been doing for so long. Um, so the, the thing that comes to mind though is sleep is I tend to be a real stickler about, uh, going to bed at a reasonable hour and, you know, and sleeping in to, you know, if my schedule allows a a time that's, um, you know, eight to nine hours uh, later from the time I went to bed. Um, so I, I, I know how I feel when I, when I don't sleep well, um, you know, I'm grouchy and my mind isn't as sharp. So I would say sleep is probably number one for me. Um, but things like um, taking a variety of different supplements that, you know, I shift on and off different ones, depending on what's going on with my training or my stress levels or what's going on in my personal life. Um, and uh, I have celiac disease, so I'm gluten-free. So that never changes for me. So I'm, I'm always have to be on top of my diet. Um, but those, those three things, as long as I'm doing those, I generally feel pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's great because I know you give advice to everyone. So it's always interesting to hear how the doctor is taking care of herself too. It's
1: the basics, I'm telling you. <laughs> you all do those things. Take to
0: the basics.
1: Mm-hmm. It works yeah, it really does.:
0: Well, how can people find you? Because I know you do virtual visits as well, so you could see people from out of the area as well because yeah. we're in San Diego, but mm-hmm. uh, tell people how to find you.
1: So uh, I often go by Dr. Megan N D, even though my name is Dr. Megan Strodel. Um, so but if you have a new married name, I have a new, have married, new married name yay. Yeah, but I haven't changed it yet. Um, Cause I think with COVID, you know, you have to like go to the social security office and all of that jazz. So oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a process. I'm, I'm in the process of figuring that out. Um, so I'm not going by that professionally yet. Um, but Dr. Meg N.D. is uh, my brand. So if, if you remember D-R-M-E-G-N-D and you put that onto YouTube, you put that onto Twitter, Instagram is where I'm mostly active on um, Facebook, you will find me. Um, I always say, if you know my name, you know where you can find my website. Um, so drmegnd.com, drmegnd.com has a lot of info about like how do I work, where to come see me. Um, you know, I always give people permission, like stalk me on Instagram for a period of time, like see if I'm your jam. Because all of us have all of us NDS and doctors and PTs and everybody. We all have um, the things we're really passionate about and good good about. Um, or, or good treating, and you know it's important to find the right fit for for what you need. So I always tell people, yeah. talk me, you know, see see if you live because not not everybody's gonna like my approach. Um, but people that you know need to find you, they'll you know, it's it's magic. So, yeah. So, yeah, and you do
0: some great Instagram lives and answer a lot of great questions. So. Um, oh, on instagram we'll put those links to to your website and awesome. book an appointment with you mm-hmm. on our show notes as well yeah. so thank you so much for being here this is funny i'm in a uh, treatment room with the nose uh-huh. but now it's getting dark so i know i
1: just like i was like oh i should turn on my light <laughs> we do this around six ish and then I know. It's dark early too mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. that's what's trippy about September. It's all yeah. of a sudden, you're like, Oh, <laughs> so, so well,
0: thank you so much for joining us. And this was, um, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I love learning new things from you. And I'm going to try those frozen liver little uh, vitamin supplements to ah. add my routine, too.
1: <laughs> just make sure that it has been frozen for 14 days, okay, fully because it's raw liver that we're just swallowing. And we want to make sure everything's killed. So, oh, if you're in the freezer for 14 days, it'll be, you know, nothing's going to cause you problems. So, caveat I didn't say that before.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> A piece of knowledge there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, we will be able to probably see each other soon again. So, yeah, I hope so. hope so. Thank you so much for joining us and it was a pleasure listen in to our um we post this on youtube too we're gonna um start doing that as well and dr meg's gonna have she has a youtube channel too she's gonna share it out as well so thanks for listening and have a wonderful day
1: you too good
0: night Thank you for listening to the Women's Health Happy Hour podcast. And if you are a woman that's struggling with motivation right now, maybe you just want to boost your energy and just get the most out of life, you need to go on over and join our private Facebook group community. It's called the Level 4 Women's Health Insiders Group. And every week we share informational videos. We have lots of great content in order to guide you along your health journey and free giveaways as well. So go on over to Level 4 Women's Health Insiders Group, join the group, and we'll see you there. So thanks for listening. The information given on this podcast is not intended to apply to every individual's potential injury. It is impossible to give 100% complete, accurate diagnosis and prognosis without a thorough physical examination. The information provided is not meant as a substitute for your own professional advice from a healthcare provider or other medical professional. Under no circumstances will Level 4 Physical Therapy and Performance Incorporated or any of our other professionals be liable for any damage caused by reliance on the information that we make available on this podcast.